Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Siada Bayed in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi, and welcome to Change Making Women. And it's Marianne here this evening. And I have a guest with me who is Alessandra Pingney. And she is the author of a book called The Idealist Survival Kit 75 Simple Ways to Avoid Burnout. And I uh, read this book last year, and I think I might have even spoken about it on the podcast before, because it really inspired me in my work. And so it's great to have Alessandra on the show tonight. And hi, Alessandra. Hello, 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 everyone. And thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. And I just want to give you a chance to say a bit more about what you do, than I know the book is, is a part of it, but um, who you are and what you do and how you came to this this work which yeah. is in the book yeah yeah um so i it's difficult to define myself you know it's mm-hmm. uh, um i wear different hats and do different things um but um it all started you know with um, humanitarian work i guess mm-hmm. that's uh, that's my sort of um, entry point. I trained as a psychologist and um, and I started to work uh, with um, MSF, Médecins Sans Frontières, mm-hmm. in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then I, I wasn't really sure, uh, you know, where I, um, where I wanted to kind of uh, go with this line of work. But what I knew was that um, I wanted to do something that to me felt meaningful. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I applied to work with MSF and uh, uh, my desire was to get selected and uh, um, get a position somewhere like in South, Southeast Asia because mm-hmm. I was interested, you know, in um, the Buddhist culture and, and, uh, and in meditation. And of course, of course, life had different plans. Uh-huh. <laughs> which was great because I ended up in Palestine, which is okay. a Muslim country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's been for me the beginning of, um, I would uh, like a, a love story with the mm-hmm. Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never been to Southern, Southeast Asia. <laughs> you know, ten, ten, 10 years later, I still haven't been. Um, but I definitely fell in love with, um, you know, that, that part um of um of the middle east and mm-hmm. then eventually i traveled to other countries but um i i kept going back more and more uh to uh to palestine so i went to the west bank and i went to gaza um and so at the beginning i i worked basically when uh, when i was with msf i worked um as a as a psychologist you know uh, with uh uh, with people who had been suffering from the political violence, you know, mm-hmm. with Palestinians suffering from the political violence, um, and uh, and it's it was there that I started kind of really observing how we as aid professionals uh, had made this, this decision to go, you know, um, to another country and kind of like. 
um, sort of help. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, we had we had so many of our own issues that part part of these issues were probably led us, you know, kind of far away into this uh -huh. kind of like um, somehow a bit weird sometime career as a humanitarian aid worker. Right. Um, and uh, so so I, I could see that we were there to help but we needed so much help ourselves um and uh, and we needed so much help because some of us were frankly quite you know messed up yeah. um but also in more in kind of like uh, uh in general terms some kind of support uh from our organizations yeah. uh whether it was um a like preparation before going to the field or whether it was like ongoing support when we were there in terms of like um, supervision, psychological yep. support, counseling, uh, and also some, some support when we went back home. Um, and this was kind of like what I, I thought that was needed in terms of like a formal support. Uh, and I was actually quite lucky because as a, as a psychologist, I was entitled to regular supervision. So I did receive that. Mm. Um, and that got me thinking, you know, yes, we, you know, we get this kind of uh, formal support. What about our daily life in the organization? And I was having conversations with like, people working from, you know, in other organizations. And, um, and many of us like seem to have like similar problems uh, with, you know, like managers who were trying to micromanage us, yeah. you know, like control freaks um, yeah. and uh, and sort of like bullying or like a lack of respect at work and, um, and like really like issues that um, are what eventually lead people to burn out, you know, like because if you're immer if you're working way too much and you're immersed in a kind of work environment mm -hmm. that um, is um is wearing you down that's that that's the sort of road to burnout um and so it was, i was really interested in this idea that you know people people had this idea of um aid workers like of people who would go to very dangerous places and you know would be traumatized maybe you know like because even though they were really strong like there was like traumatic events out there but actually my experience was that we were kind of prepared to deal with somehow challenging um, environments you know like so kind of politically uh, volatile environments yeah um but what we were not really prepared to deal with was like managers who didn't know how to manage people like um just ordinary work relations like respect at work and this kind of things yeah um so that's how i got into burnout and then really sort of like uh, starting to work with this issue and do more and more research that's really interesting because i think like it's something i was so um almost relieved when i found your book and started reading it because i was yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah this is, this is true it's so true and it's so interesting because i think like the external perspective on um, the sector tends to be like one of sort of people say to things like, oh, you know, you're so good or you, you must mm. be so, you know, whatever 
there's this whole idea that you've sacrificed yourself and that makes you an amazing human being that comes from outside. And then inside there's all this <laughs> reality of life, which is, you know, maybe people almost imagine isn't there. Somehow we're all just like saving the world in some kind of like Superman way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, you know, like it, the, the more I talk to people and um, the more I, it was like, well, the, the first thing is that it's it's not just me um, yeah. thinking that, that there's something that we need to look into it a bit more. Mm. Um, this is like an experience that the more that lots of people who work in this kind of yeah. sector have. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I could I could I kind of saw it from the start because when I um, got back from from Palestine. Then I went to work in China on a different project with mm -hmm. uh, with MSF. Um, mm -hmm. And again, you know, kind of like I was observing similar similar things with um, yeah. uh, in myself and colleagues and and people like in, in different organizations. Um, and um, uh, and soon after, that was around like 2010. I started. Um, blogging about it so I opened up like I opened up a website and um, uh, I started writing about this and and it was kind of like uh, almost immediate that there was like some kind of response from people some mm. like an engagement from people working in the sector who were like oh actually yes this is true you know I've been thinking about this for a long time but I never said anything because I didn't want to come across as you know like somebody who was like complaining about the organization mm -hmm. or somebody who was not strong enough fit enough because there's all this narrative around the fact that if you do aid work or like it's not just aid work it's kind of any sort of work that is supposed to help others yes yeah, put it that right. way you know like inverted right. commas help you know but um that you know you certainly you don't have any needs of your own yeah you know god forbid you know you're like super super superman wonder woman you know absolutely you're 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 sorted you're fine you can the, your only concern is to to help people in crisis yeah and I mean that's ridiculous. Come on, uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, first of all, you know, like for many people, it's a job. Let's yeah. Face, let's face it. For many people, it's a job, and it's okay. I remember once like, having this conversation with my supervisor, and I was really upset by the fact that for some people it was just a job. And she looked at me and she was like, "Well, yes. So what? It's okay. I mean, if they do it well, you know, because we get all we." all self-righteous and pompous about this kind of, you know, work that we do. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that is also why eventually we burn out because, you know, there's like such an investment yeah. in, 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 in that kind of aspect of our life. That's all, you know, some people, that's all they have. It's their job. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I, I did some interviews last year and everyone I spoke to nearly was saying, you know, I work myself really hard because I'm so passionate about what I do and it matters so much to me. But actually in that is, yeah, is, is exactly what you're saying. <laughs> it's like this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy somehow, mm. especially when you will encounter people who are a bit rubbish about their jobs as well, as you're saying, or like bad systems that don't work or mm. like all sorts of 
internal you know conflict or confusion in organizations and that actually because people are so passionate I think it kind of you know those two things together and that's what you say in your book and yeah mm, is, yeah is a kind of recipe for <laughs> yeah okay. for burnout and yeah uh, absolutely and, and I think what what <clears throat> struck me was the fact that again you know like going back to the idea of the you know um, aid organizations uh, that they are trying to export this model of like this way of working elsewhere yeah um and um and i'm not sure it's a very good idea so for me one of the things that definitely helped me a lot by being um in um in in an arab culture mm-hmm. um which in some ways is very similar to the culture i come from like the um, from Italy, especially like southern Italy, really, mm. I recognize so many things that that like felt like home mm. um, is the fact that actually people are not married to their job, you know yeah. um, because often they have families, they have you know like um, lives <laughs> lives beyond and 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 you know like also you know like problems and challenges beyond work, but yeah. they're not necessarily married to their job, and whereas you know with you know international NGOs, humanitarian organizations, aid organizations, we're kind of exporting this model, but according to which, you know, you have to give it all because you care about the cause. Yeah, um, and that, that, that will automatically make you more effective as well, which I think is something, you know, mm, you could question, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think, um, I'm just thinking back some of the, some of the research that I've done with, um, um, aid workers and the stories that they told me about um, healthy work environments, places that where they really, you know, they were really happy to be part of that organization. Um, and, you know, they, they did work a lot. It's not a case of like, you know, not, not doing much uh, and sitting around. They did work a lot, but there was a kind of um, environment uh, where people felt that they had a voice, that they were respected, um, yeah. that it was okay to say, actually, you know, um, I'm not feeling that well today, uh, yeah. or I, I need I need a break. Um, and actually, in those environments, they would have managers that would almost um, they were able to see that there was a need. And in, in rather than waiting for you know something catastrophic to happen uh, and for people to burn out, they would kind of uh, have certain um, practices in place uh, so that people felt supported. You know, like simple things like having you know regular meals together. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not something that you you don't need to have a policy that says you know make sure that you know on a Thursday you have lunch with mm-hmm. your staff. Um, and, and, and thank God, you know, there wasn't a policy, but it was just like good management, you know, like good, good managers saying, you know, like, this is something that it's helpful, you know, it helps us to be together in a different way. Um, and, um, uh, you know, another story was, uh, of, uh, on, on, on a Friday people in a particular organization, you know, there was some kind of flexibility and people were, you know, people were were considered to be grown-ups and responsible um, uh, and, and capable of, you know, organizing their own work. So on a Friday, people were free to go home whenever they were done with their, you know, 
um, with their work. So they didn't have to stick around until five or six in the afternoon. Um, yeah, yeah. But they could just, you know, when they were done, they could just go. So there was that element of trust as well, you know, like we trusting that, um, that people were doing what they were meant to do without having to have somebody who was micromanaging them, which is also, you know, it's kind of like, I, I find it so disrespectful and, and uh, um, sort of um, takes, takes, almost takes away people's dignity if you have to have somebody kind of like breathing on your neck and, uh, and checking every step of what you're doing. Yeah, um, uh, which again is is one of those elements, you know, like kind of the lack of control over one of over your own work that let that leads to burnout. And yeah. I, you know, I understand there are people maybe who are not capable of like organizing their own work and being and being kind of responsible in that way. But I mean, I guess that's that's part of another conversation. Maybe it's about how how do you what kind of how do you hire people? You know. Um, yeah how exactly that, that everyone shouldn't yeah. suddenly get that micromanagement because sometimes yeah person might not be effective <laughs> yeah absolutely um just the conversation's really interesting but i'm interested in so how you work now and mm. um how you're kind of taking these ideas forward and working with them with people like where, where does the, where does where do these thoughts go yeah in yeah practice do they go uh, anywhere <laughs> so so um I, I would say there are two um um major parts of of my work and my practice now mm. and it's like the combination of research and and practice so um uh let's start with the practice so i um consult uh, the con with organizations with NGOs mm -hmm. um, and mostly I you know I do um, courses and one-to-one mm -hmm. -one coaching mm -hmm. uh, with um, humanitarian professionals with aid workers with mm -hmm. some some people they might not even um, define themselves as as aid professionals you know they work for NGOs and some of these NGOs are um, sort of local NGOs you know like recently I, I was again I've been going back a lot, a lot to, um, to Palestine and mm -hmm. um, and doing work with uh, uh, women's organizations uh, in the West Bank and in, in the Gaza Strip uh, and uh, and so I, I kind of start conversations about what it, what does it mean to um, have a work environment that is healthy uh, mm -hmm. and that prevents, you know, where there is a kind of an interest in preventing burnout. Mm -hmm. So kind of having course conversations around what is burnout and also, you know, like really understanding what it is because it's not simply about working too much. Yeah. You know, people think if I work less, then that's fine. Well, that's actually not the case. So it's more about how we work, not simply about how much we work. Yeah. Um, so there is that, that side of my work that is about doing um, consultancies, like so organizational uh, mentoring and coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and then there is the sort of the other side, which is more like academic research, which then... 
develops into like in my book developed into a book mm. um, so I simply take the academic research and I put it in a format that it's not academic so that people can actually read it without falling asleep um, <laughs> yeah no that's the reality it's you true, know, like, true. <laughs> um yeah they think um, your book is excellent for that because it actually has some complicated ideas but because they're in like small bite-sized chunks that someone can actually get their head around that really helps not because i'm in the field or anything right now but just because i've got personally a, a toddler so it's really hard to read <laughs> yeah well well done you, yeah no i i'm i'm really uh, i'm amazed that you managed to because i i know i have you know my sister has to um little kids and you know like there's no time for anything you know? no, but, but I can handle like you know something where there are some gaps yeah yeah <laughs> um, well actually I, I thought about that when when um when I um had the opportunity to write the book um I it was clear to me that I wanted to write a book that people would read not yeah. a book that would just sit there and uh, um, or that people would read the first two pages and then say, well, you know, maybe another time. Yeah. Um, and so I had this idea in mind of like small, like short reflections. You can, you can just pick up the book and read one and then just leave it there and, and come back uh, the next time and, and read another one. And, and I, I kind of had this idea that, um, you know, you, you open the book and, and just whichever um, reflection comes up it's probably the right one for you at that moment because mm, I, I experienced that with other books so I think you know like I like to think that ha that happens with my book as well I don't know maybe I'm the dude but <laughs> <laughs> I love your books so yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah um and uh, go ahead sorry yeah so so um, um you know what, what I like um, really uh, in, the, in, in my work is the possibility of engaging with people, having conversations. You know, I don't even like to call them like, I don't know, training or, I mean, this is maybe what they are, but you know, like training is very formal and there is a formality to it, but it's, it really is about having conversations with people uh, and with people who sometimes, you know, are struggling with certain, you know, with certain issues, but they're not, they're not struggling because they have a mental health issue. You know, this is also yeah. what, one of the things that really matters to me is like <clears throat> um, getting across the point that uh, burnout and, and other, other issues that we might, um have you know even other sorts of like maybe um mental health um conditions you know um it, it's part of life you know yeah you know it's that there is that suffering is part of life and uh, um and it doesn't need to be labeled or medicalized in any way so i'm kind of trying to move away from all that um and just creating a space where i can have conversations with people uh, and I have to say often I find that even when I when I give like a more formal training or I go and give a talk somewhere um, that the sort of learning experience often comes out of those moments where we're just having an informal conversation and having a coffee in the break Mm -hmm. uh, so I just think, you know, why don't we just get rid of the training and just have a coffee break? <laughs> yeah, that, honestly, you know, and uh, and that works much better sometimes, you know, like, so it's really, you know, but I think, you know, in a way, 
it's kind of symbolic, you know, what happens on the margin sometimes is what matters the most. Um, so sometimes, at times when I look at these big institutions and I think, what a waste of space. And then you look at like, like small organizations and I've seen some of them, you know, in places like Gaza, in places like the West Bank. Uh, and they're everywhere. They just don't make so much noise, you know. Um, and, and you meet some really incredible people. Often, you know, they've been really incredible women. Um, and, uh, and it's just so inspiring. So I'm really, you know, inspired in this conversation. So, you know, I... I do it because I find people who inspire me. Um, because if I, if, if I don't find that, how can I, you know, I, I, it would have been impossible to write the book yeah. if I hadn't been inspired by the stories of so many people. Uh, you know, I did quite a bit of research in southeastern Turkey um, where people, there are lots of, you know, like um, professionals uh, working with, you know, with the um, Syria crisis. Yep. Um, and I interviewed several, several um, uh, men and women who fled from Syria. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like some of the, 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 their, the, the stories that they shared with me, um, I thought they were um, very, very um, intense and yeah. difficult and powerful and challenging and, and, and really um, inspiring. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I mean, I know it sounds like a bit of a cliche, um, but, um, uh, they were inspiring really. Um, and, uh, and it was, you know, and there was, there was, there were so many emotions mixed in, in, into their stories. You know, it wasn't like, you know, um, I fled Syria and now I'm safe. Uh, you know, it was like, for example, I remember this guy, he was like young uh, guy from, uh, from Homs. And he was, you know, he wanted, he really, he, all he wanted was to go back to Syria. Um, and the ideas that he, you know, like that the, what, what, what stayed with him about um, the work that he had been doing uh, with the Red Crescent was, you know, it was just incredible what he was telling me. And he was like, I'm sitting in an office here you know, it's, you know, it's really not something that is very good for my, for my well-being. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, again, you know, it's, it's, um, there isn't like a recipe and one size fits all. Some, for some people, you know, you're, you're kind of, you feel um, much more f fulfilled and, and healthier if you're in the middle of, you know, a conflict zone mm -hmm. rather than being safe somewhere else. Um, and uh but you know this is i guess you know kind of going off on a tangent but uh. <laughs> it's an interesting tangent but i wanted to bring you back to one thing you said yeah. i think the um one thing that i really got from your when i read your book last year was and i and i had sort of noticed this but i hadn't been able to kind of really articulate it myself before is this the difference between it, it being about um, how you work rather than how much and like kind of why that is because I think people are so used to this idea that like burnout must be that I've been doing too much and sometimes it is that we're doing mm. a lot 
but there's this piece which is really important and which you point out really clearly in the book which is you know the the how you work mm-hmm. and, and and the sort of alignment between vision and values and all those kind of things that sound a bit vague but actually really matter when they're in people's lives and yeah. when they're not there in your work or they're not reflected in the work of an organization how important that is and I just wanted to explore that a bit more um yeah yeah um yeah I, th- I mean this is this is not just um from my experience and what I have um witnessed with um lots of aid workers who share their stories but it's also from the research yeah um that has been done on burnout uh where you know there are there are several elements that contribute to what we call the burnout syndrome mm-hmm. uh, and overwork is one of them and is the one that everybody is familiar with right yeah, yeah. um but it's uh, first of all it's not the only one mm-hmm. um and second sometimes it's not even the most important because there are people who uh, work a lot um, but because they are immersed in a kind of environment that is I, I would say you know it's a caring work environment mm-hmm. it's a learning work, work environment mm-hmm. um, it's nurturing mm-hmm. uh, where maybe they have they have freedom and creativity are, are you know are part of you know uh, part of the work and I don't mean that you have to be like an artist I mean that you are given the space to think about solutions uh, for your work and you're not being you know again you go back to the micromanagement so um, so you know but but when people are are overworked in an environment where they lack control over their work Mm -hmm. uh, where they're not properly rewarded and I don't I don't just mean like rewarded in um in monetary terms you know like people you know I've come across people who had very good salaries but still they felt that their work was not appreciated because they didn't have colleagues or a manager who would actually acknowledge um you know that good work had been done Mm -hmm. so sometimes you know just being able to receive that that kind of appreciation uh, is um, you know is is an important element to prevent burnout. You know, if you're in a workplace where you feel appreciated, you know you're quite happy to put in you know an extra hour if you have to because yeah. you know that you will be appreciated. Yeah. Um, and um, another factor that often um, uh, contributes to burnout is kind of like community problems, like lack lack of um respect and a civilized work environment you know and we have seen you know in in the last few months um sort of you know the elephant in the room has been named you know like people being um harassed sexually harassed abused um and, and feeling that you know like there was no support around them so they better not say anything Um, And I've, you know, like I've interviewed people who told me, you know, like similar stories, you know, of, of, you know, having to put up, for instance, with a manager who was like downloading and watching porn in the office Mm -hmm. and nobody would say anything because, Mm -hmm. you know, you knew you were going to lose your job. So what this person did eventually, you know, when she had enough, she just left. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, so and then another element is you know would be the lack of fairness in the workplace so you know like you you again um you feel that you your work is not recognized and maybe uh there's no pro you know if even if you expect uh, a promotion um you know you're not going to get it yeah. um and 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 Another element that is important is a kind of conflict between the values that are stated by the organization and the everyday practice. And I think this is also, this is a big one in the nonprofit sector, you know, yeah. like people go and work for an organization that is all about, you know, you know empowerment and, and you name it, human right. rights and this and yeah. that, and, you yeah. know, big, you know, and, and with amazing mission, you know, sort of, um, uh, uh kind of mission statements and uh and then uh the everyday life of the organization is exactly the opposite you know like people are are not they, they don't feel empowered at all um and uh what is kind of uh, preached is very far from the practice and i think this is you know this is a difficult issue because you know it's it's very very hard to live up to the ideal yeah you know? so um behind closed doors i think you know we're all uh, not as amazing as other people might think right absolutely that's that's a reality um and i think just sometimes just acknowledging that can help yeah. you know yeah. like yes we do have wonderful ideals but we also recognize that we're not always living up to them. And so I think, again, creating space where these conversations can take place yeah. um, is very helpful. So, you know, that there are, you know, as, 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 as I just said, you know, a number of different factors that affect people uh, and, and lead to burnout beyond working too much. Um, and so I think, like, overwork needs to be taken into account uh, because I think in our society people do work too much and and you know there's there's end up it, you know they end up having no time for anything else yeah um, so that's that's also important but it's not the most important thing yeah and I think that all those other things that you've mentioned I definitely have seen or, mm. or see see pervasively around me in the sector that we were both working <laughs> as well yeah. you know um and I think it's really interesting because like we talked about before there's this sort of like standard that maybe we might have about ourselves or this idea that we might have about ourselves and there are all these like you said sort of like visions and values that are very um like very idealistic of course they are because that's the work the business mm. that we're in I wonder if that may, I don't know, this is just a sort of rhetorical question maybe, but like I wonder if the, the, the fact that that jars so much actually makes this problem stand out, you know, maybe even more in our sector because, because of this piece about values, you know. Mm. It's almost like that accentuates the, the, the reality being, you know, sometimes pretty rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, actually. I, th I think it does. It certainly, I mean, it did for me and it did for many of the people I, I, I talk to, mm. um, many of the people I work with. Uh, you know, if, I guess, you know, if you think that you're going to 
have you know work in a place um that is meant to make the world a better place then you have certain expectations yeah um whereas you know if you go and work i don't know for mcdonald's i don't know i don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't even, if you go and work in a corporation you yeah something slightly different already right <laughs> yeah but then actually that that i think that is um that the reality might be very different because you know you might work for you know just a regular company in the corporate sector um and um and find that actually it's a wonderful work environment yeah uh, and that you're respected and you know you have control over your work and you know we in in actually we kind of know that there are organizations in the corporate sector that uh, in in this respect um have taken on board this issue and and are, are doing much more than the non-profit sector i mean i think the, pro the non-profit sector is a bit behind uh, yeah absolutely agree yeah, yeah. i mean i'm the statement of the year under uh, you know by saying a bit <laughs> horribly um, behind <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh i mean we i, I still I, I i still you know for me i very much like love working in this in the sector and and you know like working with the people I work with I wouldn't want to you know like uh, go and work you know like uh, in a bank that's not me um, but um, but nevertheless I think it's also our um, uh, kind of job to improve what goes on in the sector um, and and you know. I do it by by sort of I try and do it by just having this kind of conversations with people, uh, and uh, and hopefully, you know, see if we can open our eyes to the reality uh, and then make that reality better. You know, without kind of being attached to our ideals, mm -hmm. and then just complain that you know the reality doesn't live up to the ideals, but kind of see the reality for what it is and then either try to improve it um or if it's not possible just go somewhere else you know yeah. um and i and i know for some people it's not always possible yeah. um but i guess also just having this kind of conversations and uh, you know the um and sharing the ideas that i i share in the book i think in a way hopefully it's a way to give permission to other people to to do the same and to see that they're not alone and that they're not weird um, yeah absolutely if that it, makes sense it totally does and i think i think that's so important because i think actually this is one of those things that that probably a lot of people have been like as you said thinking but maybe not being able to articulate or feeling free to articulate so i think just to, mm. if they just pick up your book and see a bit of what they've experienced in there there's that there, there's something really actually potentially really powerful in that just yeah. seeing it you know mm. because it kind of empowers you to take action when you realize actually okay <laughs> this is yeah the thing, you know yeah. <laughs> not me yeah. I think no yeah yeah and i mean sometimes it is me but not always yeah. you know and and i think sometimes it's also um important to acknowledge the fact that um we do not create uh, well-being um you know 
mental health um, in isolation. Yeah. You know, and this is such a sort of Western thing, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go and, you know, I do my yoga class, I do my meditation, I do this, I do that. And it's all done in isolation. Yeah. Uh, often. It's like an, a sideline that I do. Yeah. And I have to fix myself somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, whereas for me, you know, I, this is how kind of, they, this have, has been my entry point as well, you know, like with meditation and, and, uh, and really sort of like creating a space where I could uh, just do nothing, just yeah. sit uh, and do nothing. Um, and, and, and in a way, uh, the more I, kind of research this topic and work with people and, and had conversations with people. Um, uh, and the, the more I realized that it's, it's all very nice to have whatever you choose as your time with yourself. Um, Cause I, I think, you know, I, I think also having time on your own, um, you know, it, it's healthy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so whatever people decide to do, and it doesn't have to be mindfulness, which, you know, it seems like everybody has to do mindfulness now. It doesn't have to be mindful. You can do mindfulness, but you can do like something else. It can be like, you know, cooking, hiking, qu yeah. whatever it is, you know, like yeah, yeah. playing music. Um, so that's, that's one thing that it's, it's important, but in a way it's, it's not going to fix the problem of burnout in an organization that doesn't care for yeah. the people who work there. So yeah. I think it's important to go back and, and look at the big picture. It's, you know, many of the problems that cause us suffering are systemic problems. Yeah. You know, they're not just, um, you know, issues that can be solved in, you know, um, alone. And so if the problem is created systemically, we have to solve it systemically. And yeah. Kind of in, in, so in the relationship rather than, you know, by creating my little cozy sort of retreat uh, yeah. and cut off, you know, cut myself off from everything else. So I'll be okay. Cause uh, chances are you won't be okay. It's just a crutch. Yeah. You, you go back to work and, you know, you immerse yourself in that kind of toxic environment, you know, uh, the problem is not solved. Absolutely. I have, a, we ask all the people that come on our podcast uh, a, a question at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this will make you laugh. Because <laughs> we ask like, how do you make sure you look after yourself? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, again, you know, I think it's connected to what we were talking about earlier, you know, like just now about the fact that it's not just about self-care. No. Um, I mean, I do lots of things that I really enjoy that, you know, like I, um, I go to yoga uh, so I can take a nap. I can sleep with lots of people <laughs> at the same time without <laughs> cheating on anyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I do restorative yoga and, you know, it's like, you know, I take some of the best, you know, I actually, I have my best ideas there. You know, I, I lie down and I often, you know, I'm in that state between yeah. falling asleep and being awake. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had my notebook with me. But I love like, that. That's so true. <laughs> so this is, this actually proves that when you do nothing, you have 
some really incredible ideas. And you yeah. know, like it's uh, uh, um, the anecdote goes that um, Einstein used to do that. You know, so I don't know if that's true, but apparently he did um, when he did nothing, or you know, <clears throat> and he had some great ideas. So, um, so one of the things that I do is like um, these forms of very relaxing yoga, where you know, basically I go there and I do absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, that's one thing. I, I love hiking, uh, so and. You know, so I, I take, you know, often my holidays are spent like hiking and I do like several hundred kilometers. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and it's great because um, it kind of unplugs me from, um, you know, computer, smartphone, all of that, social media, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then I find writing very therapeutic. So I've given you like three things that for me are... Um, yeah but but i would say that what's really important for me is also to be with people yeah um that um that love me and that i love Mm. um or that you know it doesn't have to be like always like people that love me and that i love you know but it can just people who appreciate me yeah and they appreciate my work and appreciate what i do and i you know, like with whom I can have like a healthy um, exchange. Uh, we don't always agree, but that's okay. So I think it, it goes back to having around around me that kind of environment that allows me to, um, you know, to, to be um, healthy. I don't know if that's the right word, but something um, like healthy community, isn't it? Or yeah, connections or identity. yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot about uh, a lot is about um, healthy connections um, with people from whom I can learn and who kind of there's like kind of some kind of caring um, aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's it is beyond just the self care. So it's beyond yeah. you know doing something on my own and that's that yeah i think the two the two elements are really important you know like the kind of community and the personal Um, yeah yeah yeah. i really i really really appreciate you bringing that in because i think it's yeah it feels really true for me as well and i think um uh we, we kind of have that piece where we ask people how they take care of themselves because we kind of um, I was talking about it a lot in my work and I, and we just thought, you know, this is interesting. Let's ask people and see what they say. And it is kind of like, it's felt like a little collection of the things people do. Mm. But, um, but I think it's, it's like, um, sometimes the missing, the missing pieces is actually other people or, or the environments we're in, like you said. So I think it's, yeah, I really, I really appreciate you bringing that in there. As mm. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh and 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 sometimes like you know like you said that that can be like in our personal lives or it might be in our work lives and probably it's both really yeah 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 exactly thank you so much for your time alessandra i just wanted to um tell people where they can find you before yeah. you finish remind me what your website is called. uh so my website is uh mindfulnext.org Okay, great. Uh, 
And the and book is on there and on Amazon? Yeah, the book is, you know, on on Amazon or any anywhere else that um, where <laughs> what's the line? Anywhere books are sold books or something are sold. like that. <laughs> <laughs> idealist survivor kit isn't it that's right yeah that's right um well thanks very much uh, marianne for having me it was uh fun to have this conversation yeah um, i really enjoyed talking um, to you <laughs> don't cut out all the silly bits i think I <laughs> otherwise you know i don't want to come across as being all serious about no, this no 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 don't, don't worry <laughs> Because um, I think this is the other thing, you know, people should have a bit more, more a bit more of a laugh at work, even at <laughs> work, anywhere. I mean, uh, really, because uh, you know, just taking ourselves way too seriously, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, uh, it's not a good idea. I, I think, and I think even even in in really like in in fact, especially in organisations that are working in crisis um, yeah it's almost like there's that yeah yeah it's I, more I, important because it's kind of there's that yeah yeah and i guess it. maintaining that sense of humor become without be, be, becoming sorry oops, okay. <laughs> maintaining that sense of humor without becoming um terribly cynical you know so it doesn't have to be all the time this kind of dark humor uh, which has a place you know and it's it's i'm not saying it doesn't but um just you know lighten up a bit <laughs> i love that thank you so much for um, <clears throat> well thank you marianne thank you very much and our theme tune over and over was written and performed by eleanor brown who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com <laughs>